Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. I'm working real hard on this radio show to try to make it a place that can help lead the discussion. All the thought that is out there, this isn't, um, you know, we don't want to be a place where we just, well, let's take some calls and have people react. No, we're we're trying to find out what's going on, what happened, what's going to happen next. We had Pat Chun, the Washington State AD, on. He was fantastic talking about the failure of leadership inside the Pac-12 conference, the failure of leadership on the national level with college football ripping leaders nationally saying the absence of leadership in college football and the uh, the pressure and the influence of television pushing everybody into a position where you have uh, seen a power five conference disintegrate uh also then we pivot to mike parker voice of oregon state very different uh very different conversation about the loss of tradition what was wrong with what we had, Mike Parker said. Here's Pat Chun, before I bring on our next guest, talking about the failure of leadership on numerous levels. I mean, it, it, it's, uh, it's unfortunate. I mean, it, it's, um, you know, you have a, 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 a over a century of a conference. It's how it's impacted student athletes, sports, culture, and the West Coast, uh, how it's unified people. And, um, you know, I just met with some of our media here and, you know, ever you know, this is really a failure of leadership on many levels, uh, not just on one person's shoulders, but many many people's shoulders. Um, and it's it's um, it's it's just it's where where we're at today is you know is you know well, you know you probably would have thought this was uh, unfathomable years ago, but it's the reality in this environment of college athletics. And um, now Washington State and some other schools that remain in the Pac-12 have to you know, work to figure out what next steps look like. Next steps for Oregon State and Washington State include figuring out what Stanford and Cal do. Here to talk about it, Connor Letourneau. He is a senior writer, an investigative reporter, enterprise writer at the San Francisco Chronicle, friend of this show, former colleague of mine. And, uh, man, what do you uh, what have you been working on, Stanford and Cal stuff? Yeah, you know, we don't have a fully dedicated college sports writer down here so when all this uh was going down my bosses kind of tapped me and were like hey we need you focused in on on this completely so that's what's been my my main focus this week and it's just it's a lot to wrap your head around it's a lot to dig into there's so many different ramifications for this um obviously since i'm in the bay area i've been focusing on cal and stanford but you know i i'm well aware of the plight of Washington State and Oregon State as well. I, I covered Oregon State as my first beat out of college at the Oregonian. So, you know, you can't help but feel for these schools. Connor, you, you had a chance to talk with officials at Cal and also Stanford coach Troy Taylor. You know, you come away from those conversations. What's the, What's been the reaction in their world? I mean, a lot of sadness, but right now you got to kind of put kind of have to put that sadness to the side a little bit and just be in survival mode i mean you just need to to get to the next day right now um the stakes are super high um especially for schools like cal and stanford i mean 
if they have to settle for a Mountain West level conference, it would be absolutely disastrous. You know, they right now, you know, you're looking at if you're able to land in the ACC, you're looking at around, you know, unless you have to take a reduced share, around $30 million a year in TV uh, revenue. Um, if you ended up having to settle for the Mountain West, you're looking at $4 million. Now, that, that $26 million is seismic, and um, you would have to you would have potentially have to lay a bunch of staffers off. You would have to cut sports. You would have to rethink everything. Um, and they don't want that to happen, so they're thinking power five or bust. If we can get into the Big Ten, great. ACC, fine, but just anything power five. Do you get the sense they're trying to use the ACC to to get the Big Ten to make a move? Hey, you know, if you don't, we're going to end up somewhere else. Or do you think they are seriously interested in in maybe going to the ACC if that's the option? Yeah, I mean, I've heard that speculation that they're kind of trying to use the ACC as, as leverage. But right now it's kind of a race against the clock, like, I'm not sure the Pac-12 can really, or sorry, Cal and Stanford can really afford to wait for the Big Ten uh, for weeks or months. Now, they need to figure this thing out sooner rather than later. And if the ACC comes to them in the next day or two and says, hey, here's the invite, I expect Cal and Stanford to take it. They just, they can't risk, you know, being left out in the cold. They can't risk having to go group of five or ponder independent status. A lot of people have talked about them going independent, I, I just really don't think that's realistic. Even for Stanford, which has a pretty big brand, um, there's a reason why Notre Dame is the only one to really do it successfully, and Notre Dame has $20 million a year coming from NBC. So Stanford wouldn't have that. No, no other school would have that. Um, their options are limited right now. Connor, is there a chance that if the ACC is not there, if the Big Ten's not there, that Stanford and Cal – would look over at Oregon State and Washington State and go, look, let's form something new, a Power Five conference that can be born of the ashes, or does that feel like an insurmountable lift at this point? I think that they would prefer that over going to the Mountain West. I, I mean, they would prefer anything over going to the Mountain West, but that seems like such a big lift. I mean, there's so many different hoops you need to, to hop through to make that happen. And you basically, I mean, I don't really think that those members in themselves are qualified to do something like that. I mean, in terms of going and finally securing a TV deal, which is something that's been a huge source of consternation for years now. And to do that for, you know, a, a shadow of itself of the conference would be even harder um, I, I just don't know how realistic that is, honestly. All right. So let me ask you this. If you're being a friend to Oregon State and Washington State, we've all been with friends where we go, hey, man, this we can see it clearer than you because you're too close to it or it's too emotional to you or you're not seeing the landscape from 20,000 feet. If you're talking to Washington State and Oregon State, is it worth them sticking around to see what Stanford and Cal do or should they – be running for the hills themselves, doing what's best for themselves, and not even thinking about Stanford and Cal? The latter, because I that's basically what Cal and Stanford are doing. And, um, you know, 
Cal and Stanford, I really highly doubt that any serious part of their thought process is what's going on with Oregon State and Washington State. Unfortunately, I think that Oregon State and Washington State are the bigger, biggest victims in all this. I think they have almost no options. I, I mean, it's hard to imagine a reality where they end up anywhere other than the Mountain West, um, just because for reasons outside of their own control, they don't bring a lot monetarily to the table. Their brand just isn't big enough, and they're not in big enough markets. I mean, and I, I really feel for a school like Oregon State because they're doing all the right things. You know, they're, they, they made the right football hire. They're rebuilding that program. They're doing a great job, and that, but it doesn't change their fate. And the weird thing about Cal and Stanford is I actually think that, you know, if they had – been playing better football in recent years, they'd be in a much better situation. Mm. They have a lot more going for them. They're in, got, the yep. they're in the nation's sixth biggest media market. They're two of the most academically prestigious universities in the country. The fact that they're even in this situation where they're scrambling to find a conference is, is absurd when you think about everything they have going for them and speaks to how much they've mismanaged things and speaks to how bad things have gotten with their football programs. Is, it, is, there, is there a common denominator on that? Because I've, I've thought about that, you know, with Cal basketball. They, you know, they were, I think the athletic department was mismanaged and, and you know, they were uh, you know, not doing some things that their peers were doing to stay competitive. And do you see parallels with Stanford and, and Cal when it comes to explaining why the football had the downturn when it did? Yeah, I mean, the truth is that Cal hasn't been great in football in a long time. I mean, they had that little run under Jeff Tedford, but outside of that, they've been very mediocre for a long time. They haven't made a Rose Bowl since 1959. And so, yeah, they've been a little worse the past couple of years, but not drastically. Where you really see the drop-off is with Stanford football. I mean, they went from being, you know, a near-annual contender for the Rose Bowl to a complete laughing stock. And there's a direct cause and effect there with the the rise of the transfer portal, early enrollees, and NIL. Um, Stanford just didn't adapt. They very stubborn, stubbornly were, were, were like, we're Stanford. We're not going to play that game. And, you know, it backfired. Um, and David Shaw was completely resistant to any sort of change. He refused to fire any of his assistants when they were struggling. They refused to make any changes at all. Their offense and defense were effectively the exact same as they were in the 2010s, even as everyone was evolving around them. And that's why they're in the situation they're in right now. And the interesting thing is that even today, they refuse to change. You know, I did a big piece a few months ago about how they're the only Power 5 school in the country that won't even acknowledge a an NIL collective. Like, they, they're not playing that game, and they're never going to play that game. And it's hard to imagine a world where they return to relevance without playing that game. Connor Letourneau, San Francisco Chronicle, kid who grew up in the Portland metropolitan area, is our guest. Uh, Connor, Stanford's got all of these Olympic athletes. They probably produce more Olympians than any university in America, more gold medals, more Olympic medals, more success on the national stage. Where do the Olympic sports fit into the conversation, short-term, long-term? 
does the ACC work for those sports or the Big Ten? Or is this a two-year decision, get your feet underneath you, then figure out what happens with football? Yeah, that's one of the really sad things about this is that every sport other than football, like not not even just the Olympic sports, but even like men's basketball, they're all just such an afterthought in all this. Um, and, you know, I was at Stanford last night for Troy Taylor's availability, and he was talking about the travel in ACC, and he was like, oh, no big deal. You know, five-hour flight? Like, yeah, no big deal. And I'm thinking, yeah, no big deal for you. Because you, you would fly six times a year, and, you know, yeah, I mean, doing a five- to six-hour flight to the East Coast six times a year is not a huge deal, but when you're talking about the women's lacrosse team that has to travel to Syracuse for an in-conference game uh, on commercial flights, because those teams don't fly charter, that's, that's the real drawback and downside of any sort of move to the ACC or a conference like that. It's like the the toll it's going to take on the non-revenue sport. And like you said, Stanford actually has the best athletic department in the country. They have the, they win awards every year for that. They they're they dominate the Olympic sports, but still they're not a hot commodity in realignment because realignment is all about football and their football program is struggling. And it's literally that simple. Connor, uh, time frame for Stanford and Cal to make a decision. Is this something that needs to be done 24, 48, 72 hours? Do they have several weeks? Do they have days? Do they have months? In your mind, a time frame. They want to know where they're going by the start of the football season. Um, So you're looking at the next few weeks. You know, season openers are September 1st, September 2nd. So if they don't – if they go into the football season not knowing – where they're going to be in 2024, they're going to feel really uncomfortable. Um, And so they really want something figured out by then, which is why I feel like it's looking more and more likely that they'll go to the ACC, because I just think that's the only power five option they could realistically have in that time frame. Fascinating. Connor Letourneau, thank you. Read him at the San Francisco Chronicle. Follow him on Twitter. Thanks, Connor. Thank you. Appreciate it. Great stuff there. I want your reaction to all that you've heard today. And I, I even want to hear from Duck fans who may feel like, hey, you've been vilified. You've been singled out. I think what's become evident in the last uh, at least 48 to 72 hours is that Oregon's in this decision on Friday, Board of Trustees, Board of Regents, whatever you want to call it, having to make this decision that ultimately ends up in the splintering of the conference. It's very easy to point a finger at Oregon. Uh, I think, you know, we've stated this on this show numerous times from the beginning, I actually think it would have been irresponsible financially. There was a fiduciary duty for the trustees, for the people at Oregon, to do what was best for Oregon. You know, they, they you know, put your own oxygen mask on first kind of mentality. The failures of leadership, the fact that you have no leadership on the college landscape that could have said, hey, pump the brakes on this. We're not going to allow widespread expansion. It's not in the bylaws of the college football coalition, if it existed, the ultimate commissioner of college football, Greg Sankey. Oh, no, he's not. He's the commissioner of the SEC. See, there's no commissioner. There's no organizing body. There was nobody to push back when TV said, hey, we're going to expand, expand, expand. Let's not point the finger only at Oregon here or unjustly at Oregon because the Ducks are playing the game, right? They're playing the game like everybody else is playing the game. 
There are forces at work, I was told, early on, that want it all. It was Fox. They wanted it all. Your phone calls, 503-417-7575. Phone line's open. Great show today. I want some phone calls on it. I want to know what you're thinking about all this, what you're feeling. Is Oregon getting a bad rap in this conversation? I want to hear from some Duck fans as well as Beavers fans as well as casual observers. Is Oregon getting unfairly criticized for doing what was best for Oregon? Would Oregon State have done the same thing had they been in the position? 503-417-7575 is a number. Mark's in Portland. Mark, lead us off. Hey, well, yeah, I first of all, uh, listening to, you know, everybody talking about what great tradition we had. College football has, the power brokers have controlled it, you know, ever since 1998 when they took the Rose Bowl away. They took Oregon out of the, the you know, the in 2001 in the Rose Bowl they should have played in. Um, so they, they've been controlling things. 2004, Auburn, how do you tell Auburn uh, from a postseason perspective that they don't deserve to, to control their own destiny. So we've had problems in college football for a long time. Oregon, um, just the mere fact that the Pac-12 was dependent on whatever Oregon did tells you how weak of a link was connecting the Pac-12. It started with USC, John, at Colorado, and none of those you, – you guys act like all of those guys would have stayed if Oregon stayed. It was like sitting at a poker table and trusting everybody. I mean, that's how I feel right now in college football. So Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, they were liable to jump at any time. And Oregon, I think, saw a little bit of that. And, you know, what? how everybody feels about it is irrelevant because it's already happened. And when, when they talk about the postseason and Oregon making a mistake, we've had four teams in the playoffs for the last nine years. The Pac-12 has made it three times. The Big Ten is going to get three to four teams in that 12-team playoff every single year. So um, if Oregon is a solid, good football team, they have Oregon, USC, Washington, um, and UCLA. One of those teams, I would argue, has like a 60-70% chance of making the playoffs every year. They didn't have that chance in the Pac-12. Well, they didn't have it with a four-team playoff for sure. But I I also think it – increased the available bids for the others under the 12-team playoff when they effectively killed the Pac-12 conference. They removed two teams from the playoff equation, and they went, all right, that's two more bids that are out there for everybody else. Uh, Want more phone calls? Uh, Let's go to John in Lake Oswego. Go ahead, John, quickly. Uh, Hello, John. Hey, listen, I've been following this uh, for quite a while, and there's a point that you've been making that I would really, really appreciate that you really jump into uh, over time in depth, uh, and that is the role of Fox Sports in behind the scenes in all of this. Uh, An expose similar to what you did with Larry Scott and his performance is something that I would slurp up with relish. All right, I'll uh, dive into it a little bit in the next segment with more phone calls as well. Yes, Fox has blood on its hands. Fox did some things behind the scenes that mm, they were dealing dirty. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face Truth. Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth radio show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth radio show. Thanks for listening.